passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 188 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Right now, we are in the thick of it in the sports calendar, folks. Basketball is in full swing. NBA is already at the 25-game mark. College basketball is underway. NFL, down the stretch, they come for the regular season. Hockey, we're in the thick of it as well. And you can always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. It's the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, the sports I mentioned, and tennis, boxing, MMA, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Use promo code BLEAV. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive 50% of your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 188 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. For kings only. Right about now. <laughs> G mix. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. That's Ho. right. They say you can't spell the West without the ES. Uh huh. That's right. Real kings, man. Right. Hey yo, Jigga. Right now. I want you to take off on this track, man. Okay, like Snoop. only you can. You dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Hold up. I wanna rock right now. My name is Hov and I can't shake the town. Your voice internationally known But I'm from the hood, got a pocket full of stones I used to cop raw bait, turn it into easy rock Just to say Dougie Fresh, all that the easy rock Used to chef Ray Kwong, give things a go space Y'all know my forte, I just might catch Welcome a Welcome back, episode 188 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network With yours truly, it's Aaron Tobin Hess We are back in the style, we are back behind the mic And it was not a particularly good week 14 for the local teams in New York the Giants got absolutely waxed by the Philadelphia Eagles. Absolutely waxed, 48-22. It was the first game this season where the Giants looked completely outclassed. They looked completely outclassed. They looked like they had just given up in this game. And yes, they are dealing with a lot of injuries. Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, a lot of injuries. But even if... Those players were healthy. I'm not sure it would have mattered because the Philadelphia Eagles, top to bottom, that roster is so much better than the Giants, and the Giants have been able to win games because of the coaching. The coaching staff has done a terrific job this season coaching this team up, but Sunday it was not going to matter, and it showed. An absolute drubbing, and you knew it from the first quarter on. They just, it looked like it was, it was two different teams. It looks like it was, one team was in college and one team was in the pros. 
the Giants are in a tough spot. Right now, the best thing going for them is that the Seattle Seahawks are scuffling down the stretch. I mean, they lost to the Carolina Panthers on Sunday, which is huge for the Giants, and they have the tie, so they're one game up in the loss column. That's big for the Giants making the playoffs. Now, as I spoke about with a first-time guest that's coming up in a little bit about the Giants, uh, is this all gravy? Yes. But you can't help, as a Giants fan, being a little disappointed right now with the way things are going, especially with the injuries, with the late slide, that once they were 7-2, and two, you kind of hoped and you kind of expected them to continue to not win games per se at that rate, because that was not feasible given the talent that they have, but it would look a little bit better than this. And it wouldn't be a drag to the finish line to potentially get a playoff spot. And make no mistake, the only reason that they're in this is because the NFC is absolutely terrible. But as my guest said, if I told you in week 15 that a game against the Commanders on Sunday night football, both teams would be above 500, be fighting for playoff berths, you would take that in a heartbeat. And the answer is yes, especially since they haven't been relevant in six years. But it's still a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, especially when there was a winnable game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. You never like losing to the Eagles, so it's a little tough right now, but they got to take care of business Sunday night. You got to take care of business Sunday night. One thing they have going for them is that Daniel Jones, over his career, has played very well against the Commanders. He's played very well against Washington. So that is a definite thing the Giants have going for them. But it it was brutal to watch on Sunday. Absolutely brutal. And as somebody who backed them plus seven, it hurt even more. And we'll get to my performance against the spread this week because that was not very good, to say the least. As for the Jets, it was a close loss to the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, 20-12. to 12, The Jets covered. Again, not good for yours truly in terms of his picks against the spread. The Jets showed fight. They showed fight. Mike White is tough as nails. I mean, he took two absolute monster shots against the Bills. I'm shocked he doesn't have like three cracked ribs. It hasn't been reported yet. I know the injury report hasn't come out yet, but I'm shocked by this. What this means for the Jets and their future with Mike White being the quarterback next year, I don't know. But he definitely showed me something. And the Jets can hang. The Jets can hang with good teams. However, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for the Jets also to make the playoffs because they have a really tough schedule. And they have a tough game on Sunday against a surging Detroit Lions team. So it'll be interesting to see if the Jets can hold on. It, it may come down to Week 18 against the Miami Dolphins. That may be a game for all the marbles in terms of playoff spots for the AFC, but the Jets have something here. They have something here, even though it they may not get to the finish line in terms of a playoff spot, but there's a lot to like about what's going on with the Jets right now. Around the league, so the big matchup was Sunday Night Football. He had Tua against Herbert, Dolphins, Chargers. I mean, the discourse around these two quarterbacks on social media has been basically pinning one against the other. Either you're a Tua guy or you're a Herbert guy. I happen to like both. I just never understood why Justin Herbert, who's basically a career 500 quarterback, has to be leaps and bounds against Tua, who 
wins a lot of games when he's the starter. And Tua has been putting up monster numbers this season going into last week's game, but he did not have a good night. He was not very accurate. And honestly, it wasn't all just him. Credit the Chargers defense who took away the middle of the field. Basically switched the coverage up, dared Tua to throw outside the numbers. And Mike McDaniel didn't adjust for that. And there were no lanes to throw, honestly. There were no lanes to throw. It didn't matter how accurate Tua was or wasn't. Yeah, Tyreek Hill broke a big one. That happens. But kudos to the Chargers, who had been dreadful on defense. They came to play. And as bad as Tua was, the game was still a one-score game late. So I'm not sure what to make of the Chargers. They still leave me cold. Justin Herbert was absolutely sensational. He made a couple of throws that were incredible. I mean, he passed the ball like 40-something times in the through three quarters. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy the numbers he put up. He was great. I like both these guys. But the notion that just after one game of heads-up play that Justin Herbert is head and shoulders above Tua Tagovailoa in the rankings of quarterbacks in the league, I'm just not buying that. I'm not. The guy who is head and shoulders above those two guys is Joe Burrow. And the Bengals, they're surging. Talked about it last week. They finally took care of the Browns, a team that had given them trouble. The Bengals are going to be really dangerous. Really dangerous. They seem to have the Chiefs number. And would it shock me if they went back to the Super Bowl? No, it honestly wouldn't. That's how much I think of Joe Burrow. But the story of the league right now may be Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers. And the fact that Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, could easily lead this 49ers team, a stacked roster, but the last pick in the draft could lead this team to a deep playoff run. I mean, they look incredible, and he's played really well. They absolutely demolished the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Another result that was not good for yours truly in his picks against the spread. But, I mean, kudos to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan, I know I've critiqued him a little bit, but he continues to win with limited quarterback play. And Brock Purdy, like, who knows? Who the hell knows what's going to be with this guy? Could he have a Tom Brady 2001-like run in the playoffs? I don't think it's going to result in a Super Bowl championship, but honestly, stranger things have happened, and he's played well. He's played really, really well, so we'll see. That's fascinating, absolutely fascinating to see what goes on with the 49ers, who, as good as the Eagles look, I think still may be the most dangerous team in the NFC going forward. So I alluded to it a little bit before, picks against the spread. It was an absolute bloodbath for yours truly. An absolute bloodbath. After being above 500, we took an 0 for this week. 0 for 5, an absolute mess. But here we go. We're going to be back, starting with the first pick. A little bit of a hold your nose, but it's the Giants on the road, plus 4.5 against the Washington Commanders. I don't think the Commanders have a great home field advantage. Daniel Jones plays well against the Commanders. If the Giants have any pride after being embarrassed by the Eagles, they got to show up. I know the Commanders are coming off a bye, a late bye, but I think the Giants can cover four and a half, and I, I would not be surprised if they won outright. Two, I've got the Jacksonville Jaguars 
a possibly surging Jacksonville Jaguars, plus four and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Home underdog, Trevor Lawrence is finding his footing. He's been really good this year, and he's played well, really well the last month. So I'm going to take the Jaguars here. Three, I've got the Panthers, minus two and a half against the Steelers. The Panthers are in the mix for the division. They're at home. Looks like you're not getting Kenny Pickett. I like the Panthers here. At four, I got Cincinnati minus three and a half against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just Tampa's is not very good. They can't block. It's a mess there. I like Cincinnati to take care of business, especially since they're surging. And last but not least, I've got the Raiders at home plus one against the Patriots. It's more of a bet against the Patriots. I know Belichick is going against one of his disciples. I don't really care because I don't think highly of this Patriots team. So I'm going to take the Raiders here. Again, to recap, Giants plus four and a half, Jaguars plus four and a half, Panthers minus two and a half, Bengals minus three and a half, Raiders plus one. All those lines are brought to you by our presenting sponsor, betonline.ag. Quick shout out to the New York Rangers. We're on a nice winning streak. They had a huge win, overtime win, comfort behind win against the Devils. When they went down 2-0 to the Devils, it looked like it was curtains. Devils in first place in the division, playing really good hockey. I think this win for the Rangers changed the trajectory of the Rangers season. They're surging right now after also getting a big win against the Avalanche in a shootout. Good stuff from the Rangers right now. I think hopefully we're going to get a Rangers guest coming on next week to talk a little bit more about them. Speaking of a team in New York that's surging, the Knicks, they've won four straight going into tonight's game against the Chicago Bulls. I don't really care. I know Julius Randle's played well. Kudos to him. Obi Toppin's out. Randle's picked up the slack. He looks more like two years ago Randle. It doesn't matter to me. Do I still think they should trade Randall? Yes, I think they should trade him immediately. It's nice to see Deuce McBride get minutes. The Knicks are like 13-3 and three when he plays above 15 minutes. It would be nice to see him play more consistently. And that stat right there with Emmanuel quickly playing well is exactly why I said that the Jalen Brunson contract, unless you were going to get another bona fide star with him, made no sense. Because you already had young, cheap, resources at that position that you didn't need to pay Jalen Brunson $25 million a year in salary when it's a salary cap sport. And I don't talk to me about the descending number that the cap's going to go up. Great. It's still a salary cap sport. And Jalen Brunson, who's a r- nice player, is still never going to be top 10 in his position to pay him that kind of money. Just to me, it doesn't make any sense. But whatever, the Knicks, I expect them to go on a six-game losing streak. I'm just not buying it. If you look through all their wins, they have one, maybe two impressive wins on the year where all the guys were playing. I'm just not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. I still think Tibbs should go. I still think Randall needs to be traded. And don't get me started about the front office. And I know there are rumors about Evan Fournier being traded. I know the contract is bad. But... If you get through this year, Evan Fournier is an expiring deal next year. And the free agency crop this summer is not particularly good. There's no reason to sell off Evan Fournier right now for cap room if you're not going to get a great deal out of it. So I, I hope the Knicks are smart enough to figure that out. A couple of quick NBA thoughts before I bring on this week's guest. The Western Conference is really weird. It's really bunched up. 
And it looks like there's a changing of the guard in the NBA right now. The mid-30-somethings, even though they're still playing well, LeBron, Durant, Curry, Kawhi, he's kind of that age, even though he's younger, just because of the physical ability to be available and the fact that he hasn't been healthy. He's kind of, you know, phasing out a little bit. I mean, Kawhi was the best player on the floor against the Celtics this past week, but can he do it consistently for the Clippers to make a deep run? I'm not so sure. So that we have a little bit of a changing of a guard right now. And Zion Williamson and John Morant are the two leaders of that changing of the guard of the Western Conference. Zion has been absolutely outrageously good. And right now they are tied with actually the Memphis Grizzlies at top of the Western Conference. The Pelicans have a really nice mix, and the Pelicans can be a monster. They have the Lakers' first-round pick this year. They have tons of assets. They've got good, young talent. Trey Murphy's a thing. Dyson Daniels is a thing. C.J. McCollum's on a good deal. Got Brandon Ingram. They, they have flexibility to make moves. They have tons of picks, too, if they want to make a trade. One thing I will mention and I'm not reporting anything because it's not like I know something or I'm an insider or anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Ingram's name is floated out there in trade rumors because Zion Williamson needs to be the center of the universe when it comes to the Pelicans offense. The numbers are too good right now. His pick and roll numbers are outrageous. His isolation numbers, they've gone up and they've had great results on offense that way. Brandon Ingram is a nice player, but Brandon Ingram needs touches and needs to massage the ball. And it's on Brandon Ingram to fit in. And if he can, and we've seen what happened when you played Point Zion two years ago. Brandon Ingram didn't look a whole hell of a lot happy standing in the corner spacing. So, yeah, they can figure some stuff out, but if it gets a little clunky, I would not be surprised if they – traded Brandon Ingram for other parts to really complement Zion. Just, just food for thought. As for the Grizzlies, they still don't have Desmond Bain back. John Morant is absolutely incredible. That team plays hard all the time. And, yeah, those teams are atop the Western Conference. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the West. I know there's not a lot of separation there. Not a lot of separation, but – it seems to me like there's this changing of the guard right now happening in the NBA. You kind of saw it last night in the Celtics-Lakers game, which was a very entertaining game, even though the Lakers stink. Anthony Davis played well. He did miss two free throws. That could have iced the game. I definitely enjoyed that. LeBron played well, too, but you just saw that, like, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're the new age. They're the new wave right now. And... It seems like the new age is taking over. And the only guy who's sort of blending both eras is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who happens to be the best player in basketball. He was sensational last night, even though he didn't shoot the ball great. But it's just interesting to see that there really seems to be a changing of the guard in the NBA. Anyway, with that said, we're going to bring on a first-time guest to talk a little Giants, going into their big matchup against the Commanders in Sunday Night Football, talk a little bit of his logic in terms of making picks against the spread, and a little Mets talk. We'll get to him in just a matter of moments. All right, I have a very special guest, first-time guest on the show. He's Great Neck Royalty. Shout-out to the 516. Ari Pelkovitz making his debut. Ari, what's good? How we doing, brother? Doing all right, man. It's, uh, it's an honor to finally be here. I feel like every time I see you on the weekends, 
it's like a podcast episode, so it's good to be official. So we talk about making football picks all the time on the weekends. We'll talk about some logic going into picks against the spread in a little bit, but we're both Giants fans. There is a very big game Sunday night football this week. It was flexed to Sunday night football because it's such a big game. Where are you right now? With the Giants, what, what's your state of affairs right now? If, if Ari Belgovitz has a thought right now about the Giants, what is it? Where's your head at? I think I told you this before, but if you had told me week one that they would be flexing this game week 15, I'd say, wow, what the hell happened this season? How did that happen? That sounds great. Um, obviously, the way we started and the way we're going right now is rough. But I like the general direction of where the team is going. And... This feels like gravy to me. Um, having said that, I obviously want to win this game coming up. It's a playoff game, obviously. Although if we win, I, I don't know if it's a guarantee we'll make it. But that's another um, another, another conversation. Um, yeah, I, I want to win this game. I think they can win this game. Um, I, I still believe in this coaching staff, even though they've fallen apart a little bit because their talent, is, their talent level is pretty low overall, and they're dealing with some real injuries. Um, but my thoughts are overall for this season is this is, you know, it's, it's been, it's been fun and I wanted this to be me feeling good about moving on from this horrible Gettleman era and this horrible run of coaching staffs that we've had. And I feel really good about the direction the team's going in. What's so funny. We talk about the Gettleman era and it's been a disaster. The Kenny Galladay signing is abs is an absolute albatross. I said it immediately when it happened, but if you <laughs> I hate to give the guy credit, but he yeah. actually nailed a couple of picks over here. If we talk about like cornerstones of the franchise going forward, I mean, Andrew Thomas at left tackle, um, Xavier McKinney, who they, the defense has fallen off since he had the injury in the bye week. I mean, they're one, three and one since his injury. I mean, which is not great. And knucklehead is playing on ATVs on a bye week. Can you just wait till January, please? Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. But you was, know, was, that was a and that was a, a gut punch, and it affected obviously. I mean, we win a couple of those games potentially. Yeah, and I mean, if Richie James could hold on to a, a fumble, or I should say, hold on to a punt, Adoree Jackson wouldn't be fielding punts and and getting hurt on those right. kinds of plays, which really hurt them. But so yeah, Gettleman nailed the the Thomas pick, even though everybody wanted Tristan Wirfs. Obviously, Tristan Wirfs is a pretty good player. I mean, Wirfs would have been fine. He picked right. I mean, he picked that. He we didn't know. Um, it looked really bad. I never really beat him up for his picks. I hated the Jones pick, obviously. Um, I hated it there, and I would have rather had back in the day, and you haven't mentioned this guy yet, but I would have rather had, you know, Josh Allen on Jacksonville and then, I guess, Daniel Jones because he probably would have fallen to us in that draft. Uh, but you can't say enough about Dexter Lawrence, man. Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence has been a money pick. McKinney's been a money pick. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I, I'm still crying over the Micah Parsons trading down thing because even though he – it was like he didn't get Devonta Smith who he wanted and basically like took his ball and went home. And everybody who was praising him for trading down, the only reason he traded down was because the guy he really wanted was yeah. gone and he had no other, you know, contingency plan. But whatever. But and yes, he didn't so do much. And, and you said we saw what happened with that pick. So I guess it's uh... – well, no, that extra pick. No, that extra pick was that extra pick was great, right? Yeah, but oh, you know, and then but then to draft a guy who couldn't read a playbook and can't get on the field, 
it, it just that that really hurt my feelings. But anyway, so we're moving on from that. I agree with you about the coaching staff. It's hard to get on the coaching staff when there's just a talent deficiency and they've been so hard capped and pressed against the cap where sometimes they can't even field full rosters that uh, it's it's rough it's I rough mean, but yeah sorry go ahead i didn't let you finish i i, I just love watching that guy coach man i just love he's watching great. Him the, the, the play co- the play calling's great the aggressive style is great i mean we all complain about the loss against dallas on thanksgiving but and but that fourth down play where they only had 10 men on the field to Barkley worked. Yeah, he was open. He 100%. was wide open and just the execution wasn't there. Yeah. So I feel good about the coaching staff, too. I know we both kind of felt good about Joe Judge after the first year because they had them being professional. But that kind of dissipated quickly. I do think this is a little bit different than that because there's some innovation here. I think Joe Shane has earned his stripes as a as an executive just by being around the bills so the long-term prospects of the giants are good and they're in this position because the nfc is so bad and they may even get in by default because seattle's gonna fall apart but it's hard not to be a little disappointed when and again we're we're being built together by like it seemed like you know sticks and glue and and nothing of real substance but it's still like if you're seven and two you think you should just a little bit more than this no i i don't disagree it's hard to like look at that date and look back here now and say yeah i'm happy with where we're at um but even when when we were seven and two i you knew it was smoke and mirrors right they were winning all those close games the one thing I think I said it to you, I said it to, I said it to everybody then. What I loved about it was they were winning these close games that Joe Judge loses. Right. Joe Judge in those nine games is 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 two and seven. You know, it's like little things that he pulled off, and you know, people seem to buy into Joe Judge, and we gave him a shot. We I liked it. I like it seemed like he had buy in from the roster and stuff, but in hindsight, it looks like it was like kind of bullshit. Like. I, and and this is what buy-in really looks like, you know, and this is what real coaching looks like. Joe Judge wasn't prepared to coach the NFL yet. And Dave have, you, ready. have you seen any change from the first half of the year to the second half of the year in terms of Dable's coaching style? Do you think it's largely been the same? Do you see, think it's largely been, you know, the same I, I, type of aggression? Or you just think that the lack of talent is really catching up to them at this point and the injuries? I think it's the latter for the most part. The one thing that I've noticed that they've moved away from offensively that I don't like is, and what I said they needed to do with DJ like last year and the year before, he was running these great design run plays, that option play, that like little read option where like he'll hand up Saquon or fake a hand up and then run right. But he was running these design run plays for for Daniel Jones that one of them was botched. I think it was last uh, two weeks ago, um, but he was running them often and defenses were getting fooled often. And it seems like just a great little play that worked on, you know, a third and four uh, or even, you know, early, early in the early in a drive. Um, I, I've seen him move away from that. And admittedly I've missed like chunks of games. Unfortunately, I've, I've gone back and tried to watch, but, I just haven't seen a lot of it, and I don't think it's because it stopped working. I, for some reason, he's moved away from it a little bit. I think he's utilizing Jones great, beautifully, really. Um, but I wish I wish I'd see more of that, um, and not less of it. 
And I, I don't know if it's made a difference in w, in wins and losses necessarily. But do you do you think that has to do with uh, Jones's contract situation, where you know they don't want to run him into the ground when he doesn't have a long you know more security? Like like what do you think that is? I it could be. I, I do think that their attitude towards Jones has changed. I think that that they went into the season thinking that this guy was not gonna was not going to be the answer for the foreseeable future. And now I think that the approach has changed. So maybe they're trying to protect him a little more, but, and he's not the smartest when he makes these runs, right? He, he, he doesn't, he doesn't protect himself as well. I mean, he's better than some quarterbacks worse than others at protecting himself. Um, but he's no Eli when it comes to durability. So there is that fear, but I find during those plays that he knows what to do and it's just, just hyper effective. But to your point, I do think that, there are future considerations with this team without considering the overall prospects of this season. And I think that's fine. Like this team isn't winning the Super Bowl. There's no ring here. This isn't like the Tom Brady, you know, taking over for Drew Bledsoe Patriots, you know, this is a, a team that will, will might make the playoffs. And, and actually I, I would kind of bet on them to make the playoffs after this week. And we'll see what happens, obviously. Um, I won't bet aggressively on them, um, but they're not making noise. And if they do, I, I'd love to be wrong. You know, there's a lot that I like about the team, but I think that they're potentially considering that. But I don't know. I, I, I never considered that when I thought about it, because I, I think this guy plays to win every game. Before we get into the keys to Sunday night, obviously, we talk about the long term considerations of the team. Jones's contract, Saquon's contract. They're going to have a probably a mid round first round pick. Apparently, this is a very quarterback-rich draft. If you were running the team, if you were Joe Shane, what would you do with that first-round pick? Would you start, would you franchise Saquon, draft a QB, or would you look to get, like, the best wide receiver in the draft, try and sign Jones to a two-year deal and franchise Saquon? Like, where where are you going with this? Right now, I am a franchise Saquon, give Jones a two-year prove-it deal worth some money, and draft a wide receiver. That's where I'm at. I, I don't know if I'll talk to me after week 18. I don't know if that's going to hold true. That's been my take since seven and two. And it's still my take now, even though they're collapsing a little bit. I don't think this is on D, on Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones has done enough. The, the state of the position is. It's bad. The state of quarterback playing the NFL We're, is bad right very now. Strange, very strange. Um. And I, that, that's, that's what I think. And, and I know a lot of people disagree. Uh, it's easy to just sort of let him go also. I, I, you know, I, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I think the way they're building the team, he can be the quarterback for and, and get a ring. Um, really? Not, I, yeah. I mean, if I didn't, I would want them to draft another right. quarterback. I think he's, I, I think if they keep building in the trenches like they're doing, then uh, what, what the two rings in our lifetime, right? Well, I've more than I'm older than you, but like the, the two rings that we remember vividly, right? All in the trenches, offensive line, pass rush. It's how they, that's and, how and they're e- building this team. And Eli was spe- and Eli was special for Eli was special, but Eli was hyper flawed, man. Of and, course he was. And and do does do I think Jones has the intangibles? I don't think we know yet. Like we know that he can make good throws 
deep. I, we know that he's got a lot to learn, but I think that he's got the right coaching staff to teach him. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that he is somewhere between Dilfer and Eli in terms of like what he can do to win, to win. Like the, he's not, the Giants are not going to be the Niners for a very long time, but the, the Niners need a guy like this Purdy guy, right? The, the Niners need a, a game manager who won't try to do, be a cowboy and make mistakes. That's why if they sign Baker, Ruben Harbaugh, and Jimmy G makes really dumb throws that cost them games. Purdy is a game manager who throws short to these guys. I mean, the Debo injury hurts, but like it's, 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 uh, I, I, I'm digressing a little bit, but the point is that the Giants are building the type of team that they, that they, that they can win with, with Trent Dilfer is my best example, 2000 Trent Dilfer, right? Um, it's, it's, well, I mean, a, that's not fair because the, the, that defense was like the greatest defense of our lifetime. I, and your quarterback has to be better than Dilfer, and Daniel Jones is better than Trent Dilfer was. Like, he's, he's also more athletically gifted than Eli Manning. I mean, he is yeah. like he, he's 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 got he's got some tools and he's cutting down on the mistakes. I don't think the guy's a top five quarterback by any means, but I could I think he can be the quarterback for a winner if you build the team around him correctly. I think it's going to be interesting. And again, a lot has to shake out. But a team that we've liked on picks against the spread at various parts of the year was the Detroit Lions. Right. They have two, you know, first round picks and one of them is going to be top five because the Rams stink. Right. And they've got a quarterback, Jared Goff, who's had a very good year, but could you see them going a rookie direction top five? If they do, that's a guy I would love for the giants to have. And honestly, because I I just think Goff is good. And I, I also think that if it's not for the giants, you know where I think Daniel Jones also fits really well, the New York jets. Yeah, I think no, I think, I think Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is gonna like he's gonna do well in another team if he doesn't do it for the Giants. The Jets, are, he's a great fit for the Jets. I agree with you, great fit for the Jets. He can get the ball to those receivers, but so is, I mean, maybe Mike White might be the, a good fit. I don't, I don't have, I don't know enough about what's going on with the Jets. I know that they're, they have a ton of talent. I think their coach is a little more questionable than ours. He's done a good uh, job this year, though. He's done a good job. He's gotten the W's, man. Like, I mean, it just – he seems lost more than Dable does. Dable seems in command often. Um, but uh, they have – their – I mean, their GM did a great job getting those picks. They've made some errors, but they can afford to. Um, I think their their future looks pretty bright. I don't know what their quarterback situation looks like, but you're right. Daniel Jones would be a good fit there. Goff, I, I'd rather just pick a guy. Honestly, like I'd rather pick a guy. I don't. I don't think that's insane. I don't watch enough golf to know. Uh, maybe I'm just too like, like the the idea that he was such a bust is like still stuck in my head. These guys all seem Tannehilly to me in some way, where you fail where you're at and you go somewhere else. And I guess that's what golf is doing right now, right? Like with that. Golf has been. Golf has had a really good year. Golf's been great. That's been great. And, 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 and he hasn't, he, and he hasn't he led them to a, a Super Bowl. What? He led a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I forget. I, I, I hear your point that Goff is a little bit underrated. Um, uh, I don't see why Jones's ceiling can't be Goff's ceiling. That's fair. I, I, I don't. I don't. That. I don't see that as like a trade I'd want to make. I'd rather go and get one of these guys and try to build with them. I just want everything to like bounce out right. Um, I hear you. 
and uh, like also uh, give this guy a receiver like come on that's that that's future giants problems right now that's future giants problems for sure but the point is like every listen we've had it jones has an excuse every year right and we said okay no more and that's what the giants said no fifth year option you're out of excuses you can't do it and then they give him the worst receiver room yeah like in the nfl by a large margin what are the keys to sunday night he's a wide receiver three oh sorry go ahead yeah go ahead no, I wanted, like, to say, I, I wanted to say, um, obviously, the receiver room is bad. So all that being said, what are the keys to Sunday night? How are they going to get themselves a win Sunday night? I mean, I, I think that they played a good game at home against 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 them. Um, I think you just – that, that, that should have been a win. That was execution more than anything, and maybe that's on coaching. I don't know. But They got they a little were, conservative at the end of the fourth quarter when they had – opportunities i i agree with you I, I think they should have been a little more aggressive like amp up the aggression a little more like i said i think on offense run more of these like design runs for jones um uh you know and 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 get some pressure on Heineken. make him make mistakes he made a lot of mistakes in the second half of that game and we let him off the hook D, like five dbs had the hands on the ball i don't know what the injury report's going to look like we don't know yet um, we need a cornerback, at least one. <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. Any back, that would be great. Um, and, I thought, and Bryce Love has to be better. He was I a Love, I'll tell you, I thought, I'll tell you, I thought Love had been fantastic. Up until, until last uh, week, up until this past until week. Yeah, he'd been Ju- great. Not Bryce Love, Julian Love. Julian, Julian Love, Love, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Julian Love Julian Love had been great, and he had by far his worst game last week against. But uh, what are you going to do? I mean, the guy's playing with the – the guy's playing safety on a team that has no cornerbacks. Like, you know, it's, it's flop, whatever. I mean, these guys, it just, there was no chance. Eagle six and a half was the easiest pick of the week last week. And I didn't touch it because I'm a giant fan. I'm an asshole. Like, I really was. You look at the way. Yeah. You look at the way that, 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 that team has been playing and you know how good their line is and that they wouldn't be able to get to Hurts enough. And, and the way that the, the, it just, there was no chance, never had a chance. So that's the key to me for Sunday night. It's uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Ojolari. You have to finish. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thibodeau's pressure numbers have been largely good. Yep. He's had a good year, but he hasn't finished the job. He's got um, to yep. finish. He's got to finish. the numbers. I see it right. I see it on the field. I don't see it on 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 the on the stat sheet. But you know, he's he's been good. I, I agree with you. I think gotta they got to get to him. I think they got to get to him. I think that I I have a weird amount of confidence, but I've also been like a little like off on the on the Commanders this year. Um, so it's a hard thing to gauge, and I'm not usually a homer when it comes to like handicapping these games. Um, but. Uh, it just feel it, it just feels like the Giants can go in there and win this game very easily. Well, I don't think Washington has a tremendous home field advantage. No, like, definitely not. I don't worry about that at all. Right. I, that's why I think it could be very similar to the game in New York, like in Jersey. I mean, but like uh, you know, it's it's um it's it's it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited. Are we nervous about Saquon tailing off a little bit? A little. Um, but I mean, I'm more concerned that he played hurt last week. Um, but I think he'll be ready to go. I 
I, listen, I think Saquon's a valuable guy, and I think he's he can make a game-breaking play, and it's amazing. I don't know if, you know, you put a lot of miles on him this year, and, and uh, maybe he's tailing off a little bit, but I still think he can have a real impact on the game. Really. It's going to be uh... – it's going to be interesting. It's going to be nerve wracking. Obviously, we're very much emotionally invested in this, and uh, hopefully, you know, we won't be sad on a Sunday night. Uh, I want to. It would really be a great win, and really, when all is said and done, they win this game. They probably make the playoffs. And how the hell did this team make the playoffs? That's the bottom line. It's because the NFC is really, really bad. Yeah, really, NFC is really bad. Really, but like, really bad. Yeah, you're right. But NFC still, you know, really yeah, still, it's it's absolutely oh. shocking. And you know what? I'm here for it because they haven't been relevant in seven years. So this yeah. is great. This is Maybe. fantastic. I love it. It is fun. It has been fun. Wanted to transition to um, your logic. We talk about picking games against the spread. Um, what is, when the lines come out, first of all, when do you like to look at the lines? Um, what day of the week? Where, when do you think you can get the best value? And what are some of your tips when you give picks against the spread? Because I'll tell you something. I need a couple of tips because after being above 500 basically for six weeks straight, climbing back, being maybe in the black, I took an 0 for 5 in week 14. So I'm reeling a little bit. So give me some, some tips. What you look at? The, the, listen, I, I started off this season, especially in the contest picks, like on absolute fire and I've tailed off. So you can take my advice with a grain of salt. But the one thing I started doing this year at the advice of a friend of mine who's way better at this than me was I started, I, I used to do this a little bit, but I did it religiously and I didn't do it yet. I didn't do it this week, unfortunately, but I was doing it religiously. Um, Monday night after the game or Tuesday morning before you open the paper, write down the matchups, write down what you think the spread should be. Not what you think Vegas is going to do, what you think the spread should be based on what you're thinking. The, the real like sharps out there, they have power rankings and they have point systems and they know what this is worth and what that's worth. Don't do that. Go with your gut, look at it, say, what do you think this spread should be? And then open the paper and see how far off you were. And two, one of two things happen. Either you say that spread's wrong. I am definitely going with what I think it should be. Or you say, oh, wait, maybe I didn't take this into account or that into account. So that's my best piece of advice in the beginning to get your feel for what you, what games you like, you know, what games mm-hmm. you like. And you uh, and you want it, and you do that early in the week just to so you know. Tuesday morning, I try to do Tuesday morning or Tuesday before I look at the lines. It's hard not to like get a peek at the lines sometimes. I, I, um, I focus, you know, I do all these like random pick 'em things. Like mostly the the big, I'm in the circa big contest, like you know where you pick five. You don't those lines don't come out until Thursday, so there's no rush there. Um, but you know where that's headed and stuff. It's also, if you really want to get crazy and do it before the games, do it for the look ahead and see what it could have been and look what the look ahead was. And then after the game, see what it was and see how much it changed. There's a lot of ways to do it, but the, the, just when you're starting out, do that, write down the matchups, pick your spread, you know, try to remember what the injuries are to try to get everything into account, see how far off you are and see why. And if you don't have a why, then you have one of your picks. There and you go. go with your gut. Every time, I would say 80% of the time I've changed my mind from my original five. Um, I've regretted it this year in some capacity. Maybe I, I picked a, like it was a win. And, and, and I mean, that, like you have to trust yourself. If you don't trust yourself and don't go with your gut, like go with the opposite, pull a Costanza or whatever. But like it's, it's, 
I, I like the more I go with my gut, the more often I go with my gut, the more successful I am with those kind with contest picks. Um, so that's what goes into that initially. Obviously, you got to pay attention to the injury report. Don't get too smart, um, and be a little suspicious when a line looks too good to be true. This, um, but also like trust yourself and trust when you know this uh, this past week. This uh, one of the picks that I made this week was uh, Detroit over. Minnesota, right? Wins and losses don't mean anything. Um, Detroit's a better team than Minnesota, or Detroit's as good a team as Minnesota, and they were home. So that two point that two point thing made a lot of sense. But when you look at the records, everybody's like, "What the hell's going on here?" Guarantee you, there was thousands of dollars of square, hundreds of millions of dollars of square money on Minnesota because they're two losses. Yeah. And you look at the um, things like DVOA and Minnesota's DVOA for a team with their record was like yeah. unconscionably bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, I don't, I mean, I, I look, I look at the PFF stuff often and I, I like to pretend I understand it, but you don't need, you don't need those kind, those kind of numbers to know that Minnesota is not really, not really, you know, a number one seed. Um, uh, but, you know, it's easy to get fooled by that, but that's one of those, that's one of those spreads that looks fishy and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And it, to the, the, the version of me three years ago, the guy I used to do this three or four years ago would have jumped on that Minnesota line so quickly. And like, you know, just like, like, like understood how stupid it was after the fact. Um, so, so that's progress for sure. There you go. Uh, Listen, we're just trying to progress year after year. Yeah, so let me ask yeah, you a man. question. Yeah. Um, looking ahead to week 15. Is okay. there is there any game that stands out to you right now? So I haven't. I, I told you this before. Um, yeah. I haven't looked closely, but let me um, open up my uh, bet. What is it? Bet. BetOnline.ag, presenting sponsor of the For the Love of the Game podcast. Shout That's out. Exactly why I'm I'm looking at these lines right now. Um, I don't touch Thursday ever if I can avoid it. Unless I'm picking, I have to pick every game, which is one of the things I do. But that's um, a rule I have too. So, uh, honestly, right now, I hate to say it, but at first glance, my favorite spread is the Giants plus four and a half. <laughs> and I hate to say it, I really do, but it's right now my favorite pick. <laughs> I'm curious to see where this, where w- w- if the line moves. I think it'll stay there or close. Maybe it'll get down to four. Um, I don't think it'll go north of four and a half. Um, what else do I like here? But just as a general rule, I don't, I don't like taking big numbers. Favorites. I don't like big numbers. I like big numbers for dogs. I don't like, I don't like taking fear in contest picks. I really hate. And I made myself a rule that I, ended up having to go against during the bye weeks that I don't take favorites over three points. Like just when I'm picking five games, I try to avoid that. And it served me really well in the first 10 weeks of the season. Um, it's a new rule that I kind of made for myself. You also don't want to just pick under three point spreads, like pick them games. But I do I, like to look for those between three and seven point dogs that I think have a, that are real live dogs that I think can win. Um, but the last couple of weeks I've been looking and, and I've been seeing a lot of three and a half point favorites that I like. And, and, and last week, my two losses were Tennessee, which was just dumb. I thought that 
I, I mean, I've been picking Tennessee well. I've been handicapping Tennessee well this year. Uh, but I just underestimated how healthy Lawrence was going to be and how good he was going to look. That was a bad pick. And then my other three-and-a-half-point favorite, also bad. Oh, Seattle. Bad, bad pick. Carolina's playing for division, crazily enough. So um, it's funny you say those two teams because yeah. those were the two lines that jumped out to me as well. Um, this Pittsburgh week. Steelers, it looks like it's going to be Mitch Trubisky. Uh, Carolina is playing good football. They're playing for the division. Um, I, It's, again, under three-point spread. Right now it's two and a half. I, I'm going to put in my picks against the spread uh, later on in the show, but that that's one that jumped out to me. And Yeah, I don't mind that one. Jacksonville plus four and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. After I, I know Jacksonville is one of those one of those teams that it's back and forth, back and forth, but <laughs> home underdogs. Home underdogs generally are a yeah, decent play. It's nice to look at home dogs, especially when they're playing well. Um I I I mean I like that. I'm certainly not gonna touch Dallas. Um, the question is, is Dallas going to come in angry and just destroy them? Because Dallas is actually a top five team probably. Hate to say it, but they are. Last week aside, I I don't know what to make of that game. And I generally think when Vegas puts a four and a half point line on something, they don't know what to make of that game either. Um, but I was surprised to see that number. Um, but after last week, I, who knows? I, I just, I, I don't think I'm going to touch it. I don't mind that pick. And if I'm going to pick one side of it, Excuse me, which I wish I'm going to. Um, four and a half plus four and a half <clears throat> looks pretty decent to me. Um, but there's I can write you a I can write you a story where Dallas wins that game by twenty, right? Of course, naturally, because Dallas likes running up the score when they're running hot. Um, naturally. So there's that. I'm trying to think of what else I like here. That Detroit Jets game is really interesting. I don't think I would touch that. I kind of like. So here's an interesting one, right? Desmond Ritter. Um, getting the start in New Orleans. I, I mean, it's minus four. What do you do in that situation? I guess you don't touch it. I probably but, won't touch it. I'd be leaning the Falcons. Um, but yeah, I lean the Falcons. But like, do you really just like this? Like, the Saints are only a few weeks removed from shutting out Vegas in New Orleans, right? They're a much better home team. Their their defense is still decent. I mean, can't they can't that defense score, you know, fourteen points on this on this new quarterback? I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but I guess I won't touch that one. That's that's a crazy line. I did want to ask you one thing before we get before we let you go. Your New York Mets, totally different subject. Your New York Mets having themselves quite an off season. Yes. Quick words on the New York Mets. What have you liked most? So. I, my take is a little weird on the Mets because the Mets won 101 games last year. I am a long, long, long suffering Mets fan, and they've cost me more. We've talked about who's caused more, more heartache. Uh, you know, we're, you know, we're both big Knicks fans. The, the the Knicks are up there. The Mets have caused me more heartache than any team by by almost a very, by a very large margin. I've I've experienced some real pain. Um, this year was tough. This year was tough. They won 101 games. Um, they, um, they, <laughs> they would 101 games and then they blow it in the playoffs. We know the story and it wasn't pretty and it was ugly, but my, my take with the Mets is it's going to be very difficult for me to get excited about them until way later in the season. 
but just like assessing what they did in the offseason, it's the same team. It's not the same team, but like they're just replacing, you know, who they lose with other players of like similar caliber in some ways, right? They did uh, Verlander for DeGrom, which honestly, DeGrom won five games last year, right? Like, I, I'm, I, I wrap my head around the fact that I don't give a shit about contracts, right? Like, throw however much money you want at anybody. I love Uncle Stevie. Like, I'm very happy. It's the only way that I think they have a really good chance to win a ring. Um, I don't think they should have given DeGrom five years. I'm, I'm fine letting him go, especially once I got Verlander. But they're just replacing Verlander with DeGrom. They went out. They made two. The, the, the re-signings were huge, right? The, like, I, I really like the the Diaz, like, getting him out of the way. I love that they re-signed uh, Brandon Nimmo. Um, then they lose Taiwan Walker and sign Quintana. They lose... Uh, they eventually lose Bassett. They signed the, the Japanese guy, the Sanga. Um, uh, I'm not seeing a theoretical improvement, right? I, I might be missing something, am I? I don't think so, right? Like the only way I was going to get really excited here, I, I was going to get annoyed if they, didn't if they didn't address what they lost, what they were going to lose. And I certainly was going to get annoyed. They did, they did sign two bullpen guys, um, or they was traded for this lefty who they could have used, and, and they got Robertson, which is fine. Um, I, I guess my point is it's similar to this. Like it feels to me very, to like a very similar team. And I'm okay with that because that team won 101 games last year. And right. uh, they're probably still the second best in the division behind the Braves, but it doesn't mean they can't win and run the table. This team is fully capable of winning the World Series but it's going to be very difficult to get excited by the prospect of that until we're well, well into the season. They um, still seem like they're a bad short though. Like they were last year. They, they might be a bad short, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they might go out and sign somebody. I hope they do. Uh, I, they could be a bad short. I don't know what it is. Honestly, I would have just loved to go get Aaron judge and call it a day. Right. And like, <laughs> but that wasn't going to happen. I, I I thought that that was going to be really in the cards for a little bit. Well, once Degrom left, that's what I thought it was going to. I'm happen. sure there was like some sort of engagement there, but that was a whole mess. I mean, like it's so Yanksy. Like, it just thank thank the heavens that you're a Yankee fan. I know they haven't won in a while, but like that doesn't happen to the Mets, where some <laughs> idiot like jumps the gun and, 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 you know, like Yankee fans think that they like lose a guy and they actually don't lose the guy. The second that happened and he misspoke, you knew he was coming back to the X. I actually uh, think it helped them. I agree. A hundred percent. So, I mean, the crazy thing is that they're probably toxic top 16, but they're the, uh, they might be the third best team in that division. It's a terrifying division. Um, they're not done yet. They'll, 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 they'll probably do something else. They might add that bat. But even if they went in this season, like this team can win the World Series. Like it's just, it, it feels like a crapshoot. Um, it, it just, it, it's a little deflating not to care until, and not that I won't care. I'll get excited. I'll go to games. You know, I was going to say, once this, once, you know, March and April roll around, and then all of a sudden, like the fever's coming back, you're going to, you're going to be in. I'll be in. I'm not, not going to be in, but I'm also going to have in the back of my head about how, incredible everything looked most of last season and you know i mean it's a, it's just a long season and you know that like and i've i've had a lot of mets bravado uh over the course of the years when i thought they were you know a top you know two or three team um and last year was no was no acceptance and i'll tone it down this year i'm not a big talker with any of this shit but like 
you know, I, I, I did, I think we, we spoke about when, when, when things were going well and DeGrom wasn't back yet. And, you know, I said things like when he comes back, if he comes back healthy, then they're world series favorites. Um, and that might've been true then, but I'm not going to say shit like that this year, <laughs> no matter what happens. So, I hear you. I, I mean, there's plenty of things they could do to get me more excited. Like I, I just, I think they have a, a, a solid, you know, contending roster now. Uh, um, and I think they're building, I, I don't want, by the way, for what it's worth, and this might be like, not what you want to hear, but not like the type of analysis you want to hear. I don't want them to trade Carrasco. Like, I, I think that Carrasco should be on that staff unless they go out and sign someone else. Um, and they, they, they these guys, um, McGill and Peterson should just come out of the pen. That's I think where they should be settled. And I think winning teams have pitchers like that in the pen, not as their five starter. Um, but that's fine. I, I, I mean, that's a small thing. Uh, Last thing on the Mets before I let you go. Yeah. We wrap this up. Um, your thoughts on Jake DeGrom, how you remember the Jake DeGrom era? Um, I have nothing. I, I think highly of him. I don't have any ill will towards him. He was the best pitcher in baseball when he was healthy, like for a few years. And he was a pleasure, man. It was a real pleasure to have him on the team you rooted for. And it was awesome. It was must-see viewing. I'm shocked that he never got that no-hitter. That's fine. Uh, the injuries were rough. But, like, I don't think a human is built is meant to pitch like that. Like, it's just not sustainable. He's that – but he's that good. And if he was just healthy in a vacuum, like, he's top-five pitcher of all time. Like, just from a quality standpoint, it was incredible. And it was so awesome having him in a Mets uniform. I would be devastated if he was in a Braves uniform, which the rumors were probably always bullshit because it didn't make any sense. I'm fine with him in the AL West. It's like the exact opposite of the NL East. I don't care, um, especially on a team that I don't think can win anytime soon, but the crazier things have happened. Uh, I'll look back finally. I have no ill will towards him taking the money and going. Um, I would have loved for him to stay. Uh, but I think the team might be better without him because I don't know if he could stay healthy at that level. I don't think it was a money thing either. I just think it was a lifestyle thing. I don't think he wanted no. to be in New York yeah. anymore. I didn't, I didn't like read much on it. You know, it didn't sound like he gave him a chance. I think he decided that he wanted to be in Texas and that's fine. Fine. Like it would have sucked if like we didn't sign somebody else. But you um, replaced him with Verlander and it's fine because the Mets are in win now mode anyway. So Replacing with Verlander, who's old. I mean, this is a very much a win now team, you know. So, so like all this stuff. I, I mean, uh, the other thing I didn't mention. I'm sorry. I know you got like uh, you don't even have to put this in, but this Badian, this uh, uh, Beatty and Escobar are two guys who really might be important bats for them. Like the Braves, like step and shit, like with these like guys who turn into rookie of the year candidates the second they get on the field, but. <laughs> Uh, they, those might be the ah the bitterness the done. bitterness towards the Braves. Oh, I, the Braves out. are just <laughs> the way they run their team is they're just they just run their team way too well. It's well, so I don't understand how they get guys like Austin Riley to sign contracts like they sign. It, it I don't know no what sense. the guy. It's like a weird cult. Like, and that's what I was worried about. I worried about they're going to let the, like have Degrom come in and like take like you know seventy five cents to the dollar on a contract because of he wants the culture or some shit. That would have been so devastating and i think i would have like it would have taken me a while to get over that to get, to get over that but uh, so all things considered i'm happy with where he went where, where he landed um i wish him the best
sure. And I, I think, you know, for so many years, he was done wrong by the organization. Not in a sense that, like, they weren't paying him top, you know, dollar because whatever. The, yeah, they could ma- Major League Baseball, you know, the, the way the contracts work, it is, it is what it is. But, like, just they never put a team around him in his prime, really. I know they had the World Series run in 2015, but that was sort of like a blip in the radar. And now all of a sudden where you have a competent ownership group and, yeah. you know, competent general managers. And and then he was just like, I've had enough. It's too little, um, too late. Too little, no, too late. It's a tough place to play. Like, it's just a tough place to play. And it's the thankless. Like, I think he got a lot of shit when he didn't succeed to the extent he used to from the fan base. I get it. I get it. I, I, I don't – I get it. It's going to be hard to see him in a different uniform. I'm just happy he's there. Um, the future is bright for the New York Mets. For the next two to three years, the future is bright. And ever since Cone bought the team, the vibe is just totally different. I, I mean – I feel like when we're, we're, the evil, we're, we're the evil empire now. That's okay. The roles have been reversed. It's a little crazy. We'll end on that. Okay. Ari, this was great. Pleasure. You well, your first time. Pleasure. They have to have you back. Uh, I think you earned a spot in uh, – We'll speak soon, buddy. Thanks so much for doing it. All right, brother. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks again to first-time guest, Great Neck Royalty, Ari Pelkovitz, for coming on, talking about the Giants, talking about how we make picks against the spread, talking about the Mets. I think he did a great job. We'll have to have him on again. It was good talking with him. That's episode 188 for the love of the game. Take us out, Snoop Dogg. Boy, come Louis, from my head to my feet, Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.